Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. All right, let's start with a question. How old were you when you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to be your personal Savior? Think about it. How old were you? Now, for some of you, you might not remember the exact age, the exact date, but maybe you were in your 20s or you were in your teens or the first time you were a child. I want you to think about that. Or maybe you're here today and you're still working on that issue. You're still working on that question. You're not you're not really sure yet. We haven't done that yet. Now I want you to tell somebody beside you. I want you to find them. Take a minute with this. Tell them how old you were or around the age group when you asked Jesus to save you. Go ahead and take a minute and do that. You can talk right out loud. Go ahead. All right, good. How many of you were under the age of 18 when you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, would you raise your hand? You're under 18. Okay, let me look at you a minute. Okay, okay. How many of you would say you were over the age of 18? Would you raise your hand? Isn't that interesting? I was 12. Barna Research Group came up with this survey. Take a look at it. They said nearly half of all, America, all adults Christians today on the planet accepted Christ as their Savior before they were 13 years of age. Take a look at that. 43% of saved people were saved before they were 13. Now take a look at this next group because this is interesting. Between the ages or, or, or before the age of 18, so if we add the middle school and high schoolers in there, that means 64% of people are saved before the age of 18. And then take a look at this. The ages between 18 and 21 only 13% are being saved. Does that not help explain to you that your college-age student going a little bit crazy, not really walking with the Lord right now? Because you know, they kind of fall into that category, don't they? Because only 13% of those 18 to 21-year-olds are accepting Christ. That's worldwide. And then notice this. After your 21st birthday, 23% of adults, one out of four, who are saved, except Christ as their personal Savior, only one. Isn't that something? One of four. Wow, 23%. So it's so very important that you and I understand how important it is that we communicate God's Word to those that are younger so that the majority of them might accept Christ as their personal Savior. Luke chapter 19, verse 9, the Bible says that Jesus was going to a guy's house by the name of Zacchaeus, and he said, today I'm going to be your guest. And Zacchaeus started talking about, no, I'm not worthy, you know, let me give a lot of money to this and a lot of money to that. And then Jesus responded to that by saying, salvation has come to your home today. And then and here is the Son of God telling you why the Son of God came to this planet. The Son of God, in one sentence, is giving you and I the big picture. Here is what it's all about. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save 
those who are lost. Jesus, you're going to be in the house and you can address any issue you want to address. And he doesn't address the candidate that is going to be running the country. He does not address their problems at work. He does not address their money issues or how they can get running water to the house. Jesus addresses one issue, and that's where they're going to spend eternity. The big picture always has been and always will be that Jesus Christ saves lost people. That is what the whole message is about. That is why he came. That is why you and and he may or may not address other issues, but the issue that he will always address is the forever issue, the forever issue. So the big picture is this, salvation of your lost family members, the salvation of your friends, and the salvation of your coworkers. If I were unable to swim or I was incapacitated in some way and I was falling into a lake and I'm 15 feet from the shore, very deep lake, I'm unable because of my own strength to be able to get back to the shoreline and you're standing there with a life preserver in your hand, please throw it to me. Don't tell me that you're going to run to city market right now and you're going to get me a sack of groceries and you're going to take it to the house and you're going to put it on my doorstep so that when I get home, I'm going to have... No, that's good, but it's not the best thing you can do for me right now. Don't tell me you're going to mow my grass because it might need it. Don't tell me you're going to bring the trash cans back from the curb and put them by by the garage. Throw me the life preserver because all these other things will not matter if you do not rescue my soul. Am I right? So the big picture always has been and always will be that you and I are a part of seeing other people be saved. That is why, and the statistics that you just saw will tell you why the children's ministry and the youth ministry here at our church, student ministry 4640, are two of the most important things that we invest in as members of the Fellowship Church. I called JL last week and I said, hey, JL, give me a guesstimate, estimate as close as you can get of the number of kids that are being saved. And here's what she said. She said, from the first to the fifth grade, we see between 150 and 200 children, that's your kids, your grandkids, and your kids' friends, come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior every year. Some years higher, some years a little lower. At 4640, in our middle school and our high school student, brand new commitments are between 200 and 300 people accepting Christ as their personal savior. And every time you and I come to church, we are a part of this big picture. We're a part of providing through tithes and offerings these kids having a place where they can meet, having air conditioning in the summertime, having heat and warmth in the wintertime. We're part of buying their furniture, fixtures, equipment. We're part of buying the sound system. We're part of buying seats for them and activities for them, all these kind of things. So they'll come, they'll they'll bring their friends, they'll accept Christ as their personal Savior. You and I, just by being members of the Fellowship Church and investing here and volunteering here and adding more staff onto salary here, we are are a part of the big picture in seeing over 800 total people a year, even in the adult services, accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. We, ladies and gentlemen, are a part of the big picture of what God intended us to do. Because everything we do is about Jesus. I love the interview of Dr. Billy Graham, and you guys have heard me talk about him for years. I absolutely love Billy Graham, always have. I've always admired him. 
And not long ago, he was interviewed, and he was asked the question that if he could do anything over, if he could go back and do anything over again, what would he do? And this is what Dr. Billy Graham said. He said, I believe if I had one thing that I could do over, I would talk about Jesus more. Well, if you know anything about Billy Graham, Billy Graham only talked about Jesus. He had one message. He took it around the world many, many times. You know what the message was? Jesus. And salvation can be found in no one else. And yet Billy Graham said, if I could do one thing differently, I would talk about Jesus more. We've had people in the past that have asked us, they've been transferred or they've had to move to another state or maybe some other city here in, Grand, uh, here in Colorado. And uh, before they would leave, they'd want us to pray with them, ask God to show them the right church, where to go. And then they'd ask us, do you know a church It's kind of like fellowship that we can go to in Fort Collins or Pueblo, or they'll name a city and a state. And, you know, we, and we, we network on a computer, uh, we're on a computer network where there's a website that has like-minded churches just like Fellowship called the WCA Association. And so we tell them, you know, the churches in that area, they need to go check out, visit, things like that. And then I'm always quick to tell them this, make sure whatever you do to end up in a church where they have a kicking kids ministry and a kicking youth ministry. Well, I'm I'm 72 years old. I don't care how old you are. You need to be in a church with a great children's ministry and a great youth ministry because that's where the percentage of people are going to accept Christ as their personal Savior. And, and, and I've heard some people, and, and I've said this, never, never end up in a church where nobody is being saved. And this has blown my mind. I have friends. I have banker friends. I have attorney friends. Smart, wonderful, intelligent, godly people that are in churches that never see one person except Christ as their personal Savior. And that, ladies and gentlemen, cannot be a New Testament church. Because the big picture and why you and I exist is to see lost people come to know Christ as their personal Savior. You must stay connected with that. And the reason why I bring that up with such passion is I'll hear some older people every once in a while that go, well, I'm, I'm 65, and from now on, you know, I like the music over in that church, and I like, that's my old kind of music, and I like the music they play, and from now on, it's going to be a little bit more about me. It's never going to be about you. There's a website that has to do with dating, and it's called like uh, Our Time or Your Time, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, let me, let me. it's never going to be your time. Ever. This is about Christ time. This is, by the way, the Lord's day. Sunday is not your day. It's the Lord's day. And the big picture is the Lord saving lost people. That's it. And then after that, making disciples. So now that I'm saved, I'm supposed to grow to be more like Christ. I can't be more like Christ if I'm not about what Christ is about. And I can't be more like Christ if I don't love the things he loves. So discipleship is not just about gaining more knowledge. Discipleship is about growing the relationship that we started at salvation. Watch this. Discipleship is not about you going deeper. I, I know we call stuff going deeper and we're going to go deeper and this, that, and the other. I've never said, you know, I just, I just you know, I, 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 
I have a problem with that term because I've heard a lot of Christians abuse it. Well, we just don't go deep enough. Shut up. <laughs> Honest to God. What are you going to do with that information? If I give you more knowledge, what are you going to do with it? Well, I'll be smarter. And probably more obnoxious. Discipleship's about growing closer. Here's what it's all about. You start a relationship in salvation, and you grow that relationship closer. My knowledge of Jesus Christ is so that I might be closer to him. My reading of his word is so that I might be closer to him. And in getting closer to him, then I'm easy. It's easy for me to exercise faith and tithing and serving and living and doing and acting and being. The big picture of salvation and discipleship. That's, that's what it's all about. It's about being saved and growing closer. Until finally Jesus said, God says, I'm going to give you the ultimate close relationship experience. I'm calling you home, my child, to a new mind, to a new body, and to a brand new home. Wow. Paul puts it this way. Take a look on the side screen. Philippians chapter 1, the Bible says, for to me to live is Christ. James puts it this way in James chapter 4. He says, come close to God and God will come close to you. So it starts with salvation. It continues in a close relationship with God and there's the summary, the big picture. The big picture is salvation, trusting Christ as your Savior, and learning more about Him and growing closer to Him. So there's the big picture part of the message. And now what about me? The big picture and me. Well, me is struggling. I mean, if I'm really honest with you, me is struggling. Now, the book of Galatians talks about the fact that once we know Christ is our personal Savior, once we begin to grow in our relationship with him, we start to tithe, we start to serve, we start to live, there is this battle or struggle that goes inside of every one of us. And we try to hide it on Sundays. We dress it up, make it smell good, we come to church, and we try to act like we got it going on. But the truth of the matter is, each and every one of us in this room are struggling in an area that is talked about in the book of Galatians. Now, before I get there, Galatians chapter 1 tells us the book of Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul to the churches at Galatia. And it's really important that when you're studying God's Word, you know who that passage was written to. Because you cannot, and I've seen this many times, uh, an unsaved person will claim promises that were not written to them. Well, I don't know why God let that happen to me. And if God were God, how come he didn't do that? You're not his kid. So you can't claim any of those promises. Matter of fact, Jesus said to a woman that wasn't a child of God, she said, can I have some bread? He goes, why should I give the children's bread to a dog? And the woman said, well, doesn't a dog even deserve what falls from their master's table? What was she doing? I'm now saying you're my master, Lord. And then Jesus said, okay, I haven't seen faith like this in this city. Have some. But the promises of God, everybody can't claim the Bible. So in Galatians, we find out, who is it written to? Before I read it to you, who is it written to? It's written to the churches of Galatia, which means what you're about to hear was written to Christians and pockets of lost people. So in every church, 
There are Christians, we hope all of you are, but we also know there are pockets of you that are still seeking, haven't accepted Christ, your personal Savior, want more information, that kind of thing. So here's the verse, these verses that are being written to Christians, yet pockets of lost people, and take a look at what he says. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 on the side screen. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two, what word? What's that word? Forces are what? Doing what? With who? Where? Where is this fight? Where is this struggle? Where is this battle taking place? Give me the answer. In you. So all of a sudden, you trying to be part of this big picture, you're, you're happy you're saved. You're growing in your relationship with him, but you're still struggling. There's a fight and a battle going on between you walking, the Bible says, walking in the spirit, right? Or following the sinful desires of your flesh. Are you with me? Okay, stay with me now on this. So then Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 describes what they are, this struggle. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious, and then he names them. And then after naming the acts of the flesh, right in the middle it says, and I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, watch him kick over to talking to lost people. Those that have yielded to this kind of living are not saved. Those of us who struggle with it are. I'm about to light you up. Listen very carefully. Have you ever had a friend come back into your life and you hadn't seen him for 20 years and all of a sudden they start talking about the old days, what you were in high school, what you were in college? Remember when you were in your 20s? And they start telling you things and you're like, oh, yeah, whoo. Yeah, I remember that. You're hoping nobody's listening, nobody's watching. And you go there with them for a minute. And they're telling the stories, and you're, yeah, you kind of lean into it. You're leaning in. Yeah, I can lean there. Yeah, I know. And all of a sudden, they walk away, and they come back a week later, and they start retelling the same stories. And you lean into it a little bit more. Yeah, 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 uh-huh, yeah, okay. And then finally, you realize every time he talks to you, they're talking to you about the past, and the only connection you have with them is history. You're only tied to that person based on history and not based on destiny. And then you realize something. They don't struggle at all. They have totally yielded to and given in to this lifestyle that they're living that you still have the ability to lean there, but you can no longer live there. There's a part of you that can still relate to it, but not enough of you to where you'll ever stay there. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how you know you're saved. Well, I'm struggling. Oh, wonderful. I'm so proud of you. Because the wasp world is not. I don't know why those people at work act so crazy. They're just, they're just acting normal for them. And they think there's something wrong with you. But they're not even going to heaven. Are you with me? Well, Pastor, I've been, proud. I've been worried about the fact I've been struggling. Oh, I am so proud of the fact you've been struggling. And not yielding to what lost people yield to. 
Let me give it to you. I'll summarize it on the side screen. I'm going to go real quick. To give your flesh control means this. You'll mess up sexually. You'll put unimportant things before God. You will be selfish. Do you know I've never come in contact with a selfish child of God who did not lose sight of the big picture? You will be jealous and envious of other people around you. You will believe. You will behave in an unrestrained and self-indulgent manner. You will have over-the-top angry outburst. You will become disagreeable. You will cause divisions and arguments for no good reason. And God says, so I want you to walk in the spirit, child, close to me. And this is what will happen. You'll love God and people more. You'll be filled with joy. You will experience peace that others don't even understand. You will be faithful in your relationships. You will be gentle. You'll be kind and good to those that are around you. And you'll keep yourself under control. Now, here's the funny thing when we read that. We wish everybody else in our life would be that. (laughs) Don't we? It's like the mom that was cooking pancakes. You heard this. She's cooking pancakes for her two little boys, and, and her two little boys were fighting. I get the first pancake mom makes. No, I get the first pancake. And mom thought this was a great teaching opportunity, so she said, well, if Jesus was here, he'd let his brother have the first pancake. And one of the boys said to the other one, you be Jesus. <laughs> and then that like, a, well, you, you, you be spirit-filled. I'm going to be over here selfish and envious and angry and cause division. But I need you to be this, not me to be that. Galatians chapter 5 verse 7 on the side screen says this. You were running the race so well. Who's interfered or hindered or stopped you from heeding and following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one that called you to freedom. But God's going to judge that person, whoever it is, who's confusing or unsettling you. You were doing so good. Church was important to you. You're serving the Lord. God got the whole tithe, the whole tithe. Not a tip, not five. He got the whole tithe. You were happy. You were successful. You were being blessed. Who messed you up? Who spoke into your life? Who handed you a book that I wouldn't even have on the premises? And because somebody put it in print and had 15 grand to do so, you all of a sudden put validity to it. I wouldn't even read it. Who said something to you? What relative said, I can't believe you're giving that much of your income? What person at work put you down or made fun of you because of your commitment? What book did you read? What influenced you? You were doing, you were doing so good. How'd you get off path? How did you forget what the big picture was? That life's about salvation. Oh, I just wish when we go to church, worship was an hour and a half and the messages were deeper. Bring a lost friend or a family member with you and you will wish that the worship services were powerful and shorter and that the messages were clearer and simpler. What messed us up? 
Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, a believer, a believer, one of us, overcome by some sin, is that possible? Sure it is. Sure it is. Every one of those desires of the flesh, we can mess up with those. Every one. Every one of them I mentioned. Every one. He says, you who are godless should gently and should humbly, everybody read that, help that There you go. And that's my job. That's my assignment today. I'm going to try to help you back. I'm going to try to help you back. And I'm going to be very gentle and I'm going to be very kind. I'm coming after you. But I'm also remembering that next week, I might need you to come after me. It is hunting season, you know. (laughs) Why should you walk in the Spirit? Number one, because if you do, you're going to be easier to deal with. You will not be such a pain in the neck. Number two, because God told you to live that way. Number three, because it's the only way you're ever going to really be happy. And number four, because if you walk in the Spirit, you will stand out in every crowd you ever walk into. You say, well, Pastor, how do I do it? Two ways, two words. You press in, and you press on. That's it. You just press in, worship, prayer, loving him. coffee with them in the mornings and press them back in and then you press on you decide right now no matter what my life is going to be about Jesus and about what Jesus was about the salvation of my friends I'm coming into your house this Thanksgiving with one thing in mind I'm going to make sure every one of you know about Jesus And I'm going to get as close to you as I can. And listen to me. This is the key to closeness. You just keep coming back on path. I totally believe you're going to step off of it. We normally do with our mouth every day. Just, Just come on, come on back. Come on back. But it's when you don't come back. And you stay a little longer in a place where you can lean into, but you can never live, is where your life's going to be miserable. Who messed you up? (laughs) Who messed you up? They may have been a good person, but they got you off path. When I uh, take my time in the morning with God, Anna grabs her iPad and she props up somewhere. She turns on Go Bible and listens to the scripture being read to her. I... uh, go to another chair somewhere. I always love reading the Psalms. I'll kick, look over and read a Psalm. And, and then I'll grab my phone and I'll put in a playlist. I've got my playlist entitled Praise, Worship, Worship Songs. 
and then quiet morning worship. And those are the songs that I use to reflect on how my heart's doing, how I've been acting, what I said, what my attitudes have been. And uh, it's with those songs that I'll begin to worship like I'm in my own church service and I'll begin to come to an altar, so to speak, where things in me die and where I tell him I'm sorry and I get close to him again. And there's some things that I use to test me that I want you to ask yourself, okay? So close your eyes, just close your eyes and this is how a child of God can know if they might be getting off path. You've lost sight of the big picture. This isn't about you. It's about lost people getting saved and you getting closer. You are hurting in some area of your life. And it feels a little unusual to you. You're lonely and you're feeling a little isolated. Like no one else can really relate to where you are. And you're not happy. Because you can't be. And here's a, here's a kicker. Oh my God. You start complaining about the very thing you used to be so grateful for. Would you stand with me? I'm coming to get you. Somebody messed you up. The enemy sent a plant. Here, read this. And before you know it, you are totally off path. And somehow we begin to think that Sunday's about me. <laughs> this is the Lord's day. And it will never be about you. Ever. So make it easy on me coming to get you. I am not past walking right out of there and putting my arm around your neck, getting you in the headlock, giving you a little noogie, and walking you up here myself. But it would be so much easier instead of me getting you, you just get on path. You will never be happy. You will never be satisfied if you're not part of the big picture. And that's walking in the Spirit. Close. 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 So with your head bowed, your eyes closed, would you, just, would you just admit this much? I think I need to get back on path. Would you raise your hand? Well, then this is for you. You know why I never worry about you Christians? Because you may mess up. <laughs> you just can't stay messed up. Thank you for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, 
I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, and that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer at all, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or by email at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.